tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Coming up today on the Nosebleed Seats podcast with Zach Wolchuk and Eric Chiafalo, we recap the greatness that was the George Templeton rant on Peter the rat. King. And we get into a little bit of housekeeping NFL news and notes. As always, we do some Cowboys conversation with an article from Bob Sturm of The Athletic regarding some of the changes the Cowboys need to make to succeed that were their biggest weaknesses in 2018, as well as Kellen Moore's comments on the upcoming offense for the 2019 season. And we wrap it up with a list from NFL.com on the projected top 10 offenses for the 2019 season. So stick around to the show everyone can afford to listen to the nosebleed seats. Yes, well, Chuck, but before we get to the show, got to talk to our great listeners about our great sponsors, and that is Lone Star Green CBD. These people are amazing. They've changed my life over the last few months. It's been amazing having them support our show. We support them. I know you've been jumping into those bath bombs like a crazy person, and you smell great, you look great, and I know you feel great. The tincture oils, we know about those. The peppermint, my God, I burp freaking peppermint beauty all day long. It actually tastes good. It smells good. You'd be surprised. I'll tell you what, it smells like kolaches in here, but that's besides the point. That's not even half as good as that peppermint tincture oil smells. You're damn right. From Lone Star Green CBD. Again, folks, just go to LoneStarGreenCBD.com. If you're not sure what you want, go through. They've got a wide selection, and it is ever-growing. If you have any questions, just reach out to them. They will be happy to help you just like they have us for these last few months that they've been open. I know what you're thinking. Why can't I just go to my local CBD store? I'll tell you why. Because you're not going to get a 15% discount, my friends, and you're not going to get the quality and the ease that is Lone Star Green CBD just showing up to your doorstep. All you do, go to the website, LoneStarGreenCBD.com, use our promo code NBS15. That's NBS15 for 15% off on your next order. Oils, topicals, bath bombs, everything you'd ever want, it's there. LoneStarGreenCBD.com. And what do you do when you get there? Well, Chuck, tell them the nosebleed seat sent you. It's about that time for some nosebleed seats, the show, everyone. Can afford to listen to. I'm Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo. What up, Chi? What's up, Wolchuk? How are you, brother? Doing good, my homo. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a rocking start. Oh, uh, it's crazy the quick turnaround we had this week because we were in here making sweet, sweet love on Friday slash Saturday, and then boom, we're back and better than ever on Tuesday. And it feels good. You no, know, it's I, like, I like having the quick turnaround. It's I like kind the of short refreshing. week. Like if I was in the NFL and I played on Sunday, let's go play on Thursday. Let's get that prime. My game. body feels good. A little tore it all, never hurt nobody. I had that tore it all action on Mother's Day. She actually hooked me up with How'd the How did you use it? Was it like an injection in the buttocks? Uh, it's it's If butt chugging is an injection, then absolutely, brother. Huh. Just gets in your stream faster. 
As always, we are powered by the Pro Football Network. It's an efficiency thing, Wolchuk. You can follow them on Twitter at PFN365 and make sure you check out the glorious website, profootballnetwork.com, where you can find conference breakdowns, division breakdowns, glorious articles, NFL post-draft articles. We've got a data lab, a film room, and then, of course, all the podcasts. And by golly, do we have the best freaking podcasts, not only ours, but you can follow at Temp the Rat. That's our homie George Templeton with The Future Is Now. The Gridiron Throne with host Corey Ashburn. You can follow him at Ashburn PFN. My ash is a burning. You're darn freaking right it is. We've also got the AFC North and Goal podcast with Travis Yates and at call underscore me underscore SOS. And Rising in the East with Eric Wiedeka at Eric underscore Cam. And our podcast director at Samurai Radio. That's Mr. King Kai. The man of the hour. He's just the best. Actually, the man of the hour is uh, George the Rat. Yeah, so George uh, listened to our Saturday show in which we poked a little bit of fun at Peter King's comments just ripping Joe Theismann. In one of the most... Or is it Thiesman? Uh, actually, that's a great question by you. I think it used to be Thiesman. I think it was Thiesman, and then he went ahead and changed it to Thiesman to rhyme with Heisman as he tried to win the freaking Heisman. Yeah, and it, we, we had a similar situation with uh, Tyrod Taylor. Remember, he ended up being... Tyrod or it Tyrod? Up, it ended up being Tyrod. And his mom says Tyrod, so we went ahead and said, okay, well, then it must be Tyrod. Yeah, and we've had a, we've had a handful of these. You know, back in the day, uh, obviously, we had Buckus. Changed his name to Dick Buckus. Um, I hate Joe's. And so, yeah, this is this is definitely not unprecedented in the NFL. No, it's not unprecedented at all. Uh, however, while attending the University of Notre Dame, uh, that's another one. Is it Notre or Notre? I think it's Notre. Notre. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame. Well, there's the accent on there, isn't there? Well, the bottom line is Peter King uh, was not too keen on Joe Theismann and the reports that he made about Joe and the rift with Dwayne Haskins wearing his number seven. Um, and we just kind of went ahead and... We just read the quote. We read the quote and laughed about it. Where we went piece by piece, line by line, the beautifully written Peter King, uh, or as George uh, Templeton likes to... Uh, condescendingly call him Pete King, goes through and just, without using foul language, actually throws the word silly in there once or twice, completely throws the word dilfer in there once or twice, just eviscerates and completely disparages Mr. Thiesman. And we thought it was hysterical, and we had to bring it to the show because of that. But you and I, we don't even, we barely even know Thiesman's last name. We know nothing about him. We've watched him play one time. It was one play, and on the play, his leg exploded. That's all we know about him. And so we didn't have an opinion on it. Look, aside from the leg injury and knowing that he was a Washington Redskin quarterback, um, I knew he was great in college. He's in the College Hall of Fame. Yes, I knew he won a Super Bowl and played in the Canadian Football League. But my memories of him were being not that great in the Sunday Night Football booth. And so, well, the one that. season that he had in the Monday Night Football booth with Tarico and Kornheiser. I never thought he was good. And then if you remember when they first put Thursday Night Football on NFL Network, 
he was in there with Bob Papa and Matt Millen. And, again, didn't think he was very good. So, personally, as a human being, I can't necessarily vouch for Joe Theismann slash Theismann, and I am a Cowboy fan, as George noted. George, take it away in what you thought about our comments on Saturday's show. And this was talked about on the nosebleed bleed seats uh, uh, on Saturday uh, with uh, Zach Wolchuk and Eric Chiafalo. And I was not very happy with their take at all. I was not surprised by it because, you know, Wolchuk's a Cowboys fan and I just don't expect him to know better. And, you know, Chiafalo, I'm going to chalk it down to the Miami Dolphins have been horrible for a long time. And, and that kind of, and I know this too, that kind of mind-numbingly awful NFL football, and I know this is a Redskins fan, so it's not like I'm taking a shot at the Dolphins. The Redskins have been just as woeful and inept uh, the last uh, quarter century plus. Uh, it can warp your fragile little mind. I, I, I can say that because it's warped my fragile little mind, yet here I am doing this podcast with you. But you know, Pete King, if you're not gonna, Peter King, if you're not going to be honest about it, if you're not going to sit here and at least do some research, if you're, you're going to betray a complete lack of understanding of how it works, a lack of context for the stats, and even a lack of understanding of how the situation came about, why don't you just shut the hell up? There are 31 other teams you can have bad takes and hot takes about. Why don't you just not talk about the Redskins then and leave it to the people that actually know what the hell's going on instead of that? John, you're now in John Maris class as far as I'm concerned. He's a mean, vicious, nasty, no-good, baggy-eyed, marble-headed, ignoramus. And you know what else? This is what you can do, too. Kiss my entire ass. You jerk. You absolute, complete, and utter jackass. That is so great. Okay, so what, <laughs> what we did there was basically we, we pieced together. Uh, George took about 30 minutes. like His entire podcast, basically, once he got the compensatory picks and signing draft picks out of the way in the first, I don't know, 10 Four minutes seconds. or so. The rest of it was all about Pete King. What we brought up about Peter King and how it's it, Pete. It, Pete, okay, and and how it really chapped his gears. So the beginning of it is just kind of how he he set it up, just by referencing how we had talked about it. I love what he said there. Basically, like I expect nothing less from the Cowboy fan that is Wolchuk. Yeah. He's right. I mean, he's self aware. I love George for that. George just seems like he's, I love. I think he does a great job on his podcast. The future is now. I think he's got a great football mind. I think he does a great job of being unbiased the majority of the time, but also showcasing his Redskin love. Uh, and and he calls it like he sees it. So obviously he knows I'm a Cowboy fan. I'm certainly not going to jump to the defense of Joe Thiesman Thiesman. And I love how he saved himself because the people that work here at the Pro Football Network are the majority of them are, are Dolphin fans. Yes. You're included in that. That is correct. So before he went too deep into the anti-Miami Dolphin well, he kind of like retreated just in time. Yeah, he, he walked <laughs> it back. He compared himself. Hey, it's okay. The Redskins suck ass too. It's not just the Dolphins, but you have a fragile mind and you don't know what you're talking about, Chiafala. Well, he's right about And he that. was pretty much, yeah. He, pretty he spot on it. about everything. Yeah. And nailed then it. towards the end of it, I thought was the best part of the rant. Was it the jerk? You jerk. Or was it the jackass? You absolute, complete, and utter jackass. The jackass was great. See, I, see I'm a jerk guy. You're a I, jerk when guy? When he comes right into the jerk, I'm like, yeah. You jerk. You freaking get Pete King right now. George. Just leave the Redskins out of your like mouth. Tell like it is. I'm, know, leave know, it to the Redskin aficionados out there. You absolute, complete, and utter jackass. Pete King 
in his disparaging of these men did not use any foul language. And that and that's my only bone to pick with George. No, you know, so, George. Well, George you didn't just, really either. Come well, on. he called him a jerk. Oh, I mean, dude. come on, man. The, the I mean, amount of stuff that we say on this show, I think jerk is pretty PG. <laughs> no, man. I mean, it, Pete, Pete King was just saying silly. Now, granted, actually, I'd rather be called jerk than Dilfer. I guess that's fair. You know what? Good point by you. Really, I didn't dig very deep into the statistical facts of what Peter King had to say. Now, that's pretty much what George did. George went in there and made a great argument for Joe Theismann in his defense. Theismann. And pointed out, basically, like it, it's it's unfair to lump him in the same category as the Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfers of the world. And despite the fact that, yes, they've also won a Super Bowl, Joe Thiesman-Thiesman is one of 13 quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League to lead a team to the Super Bowl and start in that Super Bowl in back-to-back years. It's a very short list of guys to do that. So, Way to go, Joe! He also was a league MVP, which I don't think any of the other people that Peter King mentioned sniffed. So the resume for Joe Thiesman-Thiesman on the football field, much greater than we gave him credit for. Uh, we owe a lot of credit and gratitude to George Templeton for setting the record straight for one Joe Thiesman Thiesman. He is the number one Thiesman Thiesman fan. Yeah, and a lot of love to Pete King as well. And Pete King, uh, Peter, Pete. we owe you a gratitude because you got out one of the best rants we've had in the history of the Pro Football Network podcast. Yeah, thanks, Pete. And, of course, thank us. Big pat on the back to Wolchuk and Chiafalo here for uh, providing George with I'd say seventy percent of seventy five percent of his content for his show this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did the heavy lifting for you this week. There, so, uh, you're welcome, there, George. George. You're welcome, George. We're here for you anytime you need us. Well, uh, paid vacation there for you, George. No big deal, George. We, Put it on uh, our tab, big our, boy. Our check is coming in the mail, sir. Um. All right. Very good. So, what do we do now? I'm I'm sort of just I'm lost. Uh. What do you mean? Where do we go? Well, you want to read the resume of Joe Theismann, Theismann, or no? You want to, are we done with him? Theismann. I think I'm done with. I think I'm done with Theismann. You didn't want to know that he was the NFL Man of the Year in 1982. Damn, was he really the Walter Payton? Yeah, yeah. He's also in the Washington Redskins Ring of Fame. Uh, did he ever win Comeback Player of the Year after his Ooh, leg explosion? Shoot, uh, no, he didn't. He did win NFL uh, Offensive Player of the Year in '83. Yeah, let's go ahead and be done with this Joe conversation. Okay, all right. Sorry, Joe, but we gave you a lot of love there. So, George, please take that and be happy with it. How about we do a little bit of NFL house cleaning, my friend? What do you say? Is it house cleaning or housekeeping? It's whatever you want it to be. I think it's, I think it's just housekeeping. All right, let's housekeep it up. All right, it's time for some NFL housekeeping. With the Nosebleed Seats podcast, Zach Waldrick and Eric Chia follow. Chi, I've got some uh, hot news nuggets. You've got some hot news nuggets, and we're just a couple of hot news nuggetsy guys. Yeah, we are. So, uh, so you, should you go first? I'm going go to go first. No, no, no. I like to go first. All right, I got it. You come second, I come third. Hey, if you say so, man, I'm ready to go. Here we are. Perfect. I'm going to start off with one Doug Baldwin, who we talked about on Saturday. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, a little changing in the guard there. They cut Doug Baldwin. They also cut Cam Chancellor couple of Super Bowl champions. Well, Dougie Baldwin, the junior, uh, went ahead and tweeted out his retirement, posted a lot of pictures of himself throughout the years. Ooh, what kind of pics? Uh, him celebrating the Super Bowl win, him as a young youth player, him with Richard Sherman, I think, at the Pro Bowl. Ah, dick. Uh, him along the sidelines following a tough loss in the playoffs, on the bench, 
Uh, just some, you know, pictures of himself throughout his career. And then he finished it off with, and now my watch has ended. A little bit of a gif, jif, however you like to call it, from Jon Snow uh, from Game of Thrones. I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones. By the way, this week's episode was absolute trash. Never heard of it. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. It was. Sorry. It really angered me. It really I'm upset sorry, me. Man. I was pissed. If anybody cares about my Game of Thrones opinion, this past week's episode was unsatisfying. You heard it here first. Come at me at Z-A-C-H-W-O-L-C-H-U-K. We can Game of Thrones it out. What? I'm not sure, but you got real excited there, and I just wanted to let you go. Thank you. So, Doug Baldwin retiring from the National Football League, it appears. Yeah, that's uh, sad news, but good for him. He's probably, he got enough bag. He got that contract that he always needed. Two-time Pro Bowler, won a Super Bowl. Absolutely. Stud. He's a Stanford guy. He's a really, really smart guy. He's probably got a bright future ahead of him, whether it's anywhere in sports or anywhere out of. He's a a bright dude, a good dude, and good for him. How's his jawline? Uh, His jawline's pretty sharp. Mm. Jawline's pretty sharp. Now, if he can keep it that way post-career as a receiver, that's that's pretty impressive. A lot of these guys, they start to swell up a little bit. What do you think about Greg Jennings? I think he's done a good job maintaining. Yeah, Greg's done a nice job, but Greg was never really a jawline guy. You know, he's got plenty of sodium sitting in those jowls, but that's just the way he was put together. He spent the end of his career with the Dolphins, right? Yeah, he had uh, had a cup of coffee with us, and it was a pretty unsatisfying cup of coffee, Mm, if I might add. So it wasn't like a cold brew? No, no, no. This was a scorching, scorching hot uh, piss coffee. Mm. Not my favorite. Starbucks, Starbucks, man, it's bad. It's the Greg Jennings special. Shoot. So uh, I got you a little something here, a little housekeeping. Give me a little something-something. Alan Bell, at Alan Bell 247 on the tweeter. He said last year the Browns were selected for hard knocks on May 17th. We should know who's going to be the 2019 Hard Knocks team by next week. It's the Raiders, right? It's got to be the Raiders. And we have a report that it is not going to be the San Francisco 49ers. So, unfortunately, we're not going to get to see the red face of one Kyle Shanahan floating along our television for about five weeks leading up to the NFL season. Well, I know a lot of people were hoping to see the beautiful buttocks of one Jimmy Garoppolo and the... uh girlfriends that he brings to practice yeah that's gonna be a a sad miss but if Oakland John Gruden and Antonio Brown and them boys decide to uh jump on the old hard knocks board then I'm gonna be excited about that so I'm not really too worried about it but I will I am a little disappointed we're not gonna see the the old red face of, of Shanahan yeah you and the red faces for me it's really not that big of a deal oh is that right yeah I actually heard he and uh, Jason Garrett, amongst others, uh, even Mike Zimmer, have mm. been putting in some words to the NFL offices of, uh, you know, they're just they're a little bit offended, and I think they have every right to be by George Templeton's Washington Redskins. Why is that? Well, because what have the Redskins done? It's it's the name Redskins. Well, I don't think they're the only ones offended, but we know Daniel Snyder, the jerk that he is, and that's something that I think Templeton and I can agree on. Uh, he doesn't care. He likes being racist. No, but Jason Garrett and Kyle Shanahan and and Mike Shanahan even, even though he's not in the league anymore, and then certainly Mike Zimmer, all of them suffer from Redskin syndrome, and they think it's a little bit racist. Does Joe Flacco have a little bit of that? Red face? Yeah. I think he gets it on the nose. I don't think it's really gotten into the forehead or he gets cheeks He Rudolphs himself a little? Yeah, but I think in the coming years, he might mature into one of those. Well, he's going to be, uh, you think, colder in Denver than Baltimore? Uh, it's a little bit drier in Denver, so the, the, you're gonna, the lips are going to get chapped more, but I think Baltimore gets pretty stupid. Well, I hope he has some lip gloss. 
Well, I got actually a little Joe Flacco housekeeping for you. I actually did, too. That's what I tried to segue there. It's my turn. It's not your turn. I'm going to go ahead and do it. You're going to speak out of turn. He said, quote, I hope he does develop. The he he's talking about is one Drew Locke. Dude, fuck you, man. That's exactly what I was just about to say. But I don't look at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team, end quote. Well, I was trying to win football games for our football team, but you went ahead and just robbed me. You sacked your own quarterback. Yeah, but I recovered the fumble that you had, and I scored a touchdown with it. So I've never seen know. a lineman pick up the fumble and run it all the way in. Well, now you have. Once in a lifetime, generational talent you're dealing with here. So what do you think about Joe Flacco saying that about old Drewski? You know what? I think he's got a point. It's not his job. Uh, we saw this with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, that was the whole deal then. We've seen this with several quarterbacks. I don't think I think Ben Roethlisberger's the same way. And there was a misconception here in Dallas with uh, when Dak Prescott was a rookie and how Tony Romo supposedly helped him. I got news for you, people that believe that. That is a false narrative. It was actually Mark Sanchez, of all people, that really helped Dak Prescott out along the sideline. What yeah. was, what was his Mark name? freaking Sanchez. Hey. <laughs> nice job, nice job. No, you nailed it. This little mulligan never hurt nobody. Listen, it doesn't make Flacco any less of a bleep hole, right? He comes across as a total D-bag. I get it, I get it, but it's like, dude, if you had any confidence in yourself, first of all, you've already made a ton of money. You've robbed the Ravens for the last four years. I don't years. think he's got confidence in himself, though. That's the thing. He just got his robbed his job robbed from him by uh, a quarterback who can't really throw in Lamar Jackson. And then here he goes to Denver, and the first thing they do is they have Drew Locke slide to them in the second round, a guy who throughout the entire draft process they were rumored to love. Here he comes, looks good, young arm, Fiery arm, sexy arm. Swag. He's going to take his job this year. It's going to happen. He wears an arm sleeve and he's got a visor. You know that quarterback's got swag. Let me ask you this. Reminds Flacco. me a little bit of Jay Cutler, and he had a great run in Denver. Ah, smoking Jay Cutler. RIP to you, bro. Hey, uh, question. Would you rather lose your starting quarterback job to Lamar Jackson, the running back, or Josh Allen, the running back? Ooh, I'd probably go with... Like, what's going to make you feel like a person? They're both going to make you feel like a pretty person, let's be real. But, which one's going to make you feel This is one of the toughest would-you-rathers ever. Yeah, this is a really hard one, because yeah. in one hand, you've got a Heisman Trophy winner. On the other hand, you've got a top 10 pick. Yeah. So it's like, mm, I lost my job to a guy who was drafted to be the franchise guy. I guess they both were. They were both first-round picks. One was eight. One was 32, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd say I'd feel worse about losing my job to Josh Allen. Wow. I could see how I, that was tough for you. Yeah. You really went back and forth on that. That one. was a tough one. I think that uh, either answer would have sufficed. Either way, you're feeling pretty shitty, though. Uh, I'm not feeling good about myself, no, especially since I'm a former Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. But no, I'm, well, you're not. I'm, I'm feeling Joe better is, because but. of how darn wealthy I am, though. I mean, I cash checks, baby. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, bro, you have you literally have been robbing the Ravens for half a decade now, right? Can't you just feel good about it? They drafted him in the second round. He's not starting tomorrow. Let's not sit here and act like you have a long future ahead of you as a winning quarterback. All right, Joe. So you don't think he's going to turn around the Broncos this year, lead them back to the playoffs? Can't say I believe that. Well, Chuck, can't say I do. Mm, well, the Bronco fan base sure does. I've got another quarterback nugget for you. Oh, my God. This has to Put do with, those nuggets in my face. This has to do with the former first-round draft pick. 
Really? A 2013 first-round pick. You want to take a guess? 2013. 2013. 2013. First round. It was a terrible draft class. Horrible. Terrible draft. Oh, this has to be uh, Christian Ponder. Not Christian Ponder, but same school. Uh, Jake Locke. No. Grr. Was it Jake Locker? Uh, Locker might have been in that class. Maybe. Man, he sucked. Maybe. Man, he sucked. Oh, uh, uh, Blaine Gabbert. I win. No. All right, just tell me, damn it. EJ Manuel. Say that name again. EJ Manuel. One more time, and I think it's going to ring a bell. EJ Manuel. Wow. Former 16th overall pick in the 2013 NFL Draft by the Buffalo Bills. He started 10 games his rookie season. Then he was benched in favor of Kyle Orton in 2014. Never regained the full-time starting job in his final two seasons in Buffalo. Played for the Raiders in 2017. They cut him in September. Then he went ahead and joined the Chiefs in February. He was a backup quarterback there this past season. And he he's the reason why he really taught Mahomes. He really groomed Mahomes Maybe. the quarterback that he is. He might have. And then said, all right, my job's done here. And now he's retiring from the National Football League after five seasons. You know what's funny? Last week we talked about Derek Anderson and how he retired and how I had no idea he was even still playing football. It's not funny. This is in that same family of I had no idea that not only was EJ Manuel still even alive, but that he was in the National Football League. You know what? We do a football podcast every week. So they say. I'd encourage you to figure out who the hell's on what team. So you knew EJ Manuel was still playing football and getting paid by uh, an, uh, an NFL team. Is that even a question? Of course I did. All right. All right. Very good. I, I'm proud of you. I appreciate you. Thanks for, thanks for picking up your friend while he's struggling. Thanks for stomping on my head while I'm drowning. That's what I'm here for you. Yeah. I have a uh, housekeeping note here. A little mouth-to-mouth? From James Palmer. Oh, we got some mouth-to-mouth. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, actually, I think they didn't get into the whole mouth-to-mouth thing here, but I would have th- that would have been my follow-up. Uh, Von Miller got to hang with the Patriots crew at the uh, at the horse races, the uh, the horse derby. Von Miller hanging with the New England Patriots crew. Yeah, yeah, at the derby. Sounds a little weird. And he said, "quote It's extremely hard not to like Tom Brady and all of those guys." Von then jokingly added, "I'm a Tom Brady fan." Unless it's on Sundays. So I guess the Derby wasn't on a Sunday. So Vaughn was allowed, allowed himself to hang and be around Tom Brady. I'm sure there's an aura about him that, uh, now I do wonder if Vaughn would co-sign the, the father-son makeouts. I'm not sure that he would, but James okay. Palmer didn't If you get want there. to go back and just to clarify for listeners that don't know what you're referencing there. Who doesn't know? He's that we've seen it like after every Super it's Bowl the Tom, and then obviously Tom versus Time. Yeah, Tom versus Time documentary. The Eric, time that he was versing was how long can I kiss my son on the mouth with all these cameras. It was a very awkward mouth kiss. And he actually broke the record. So Tom 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 won time zero. Okay. If I'm a Denver Bronco fan, let, let's put it this way. I guess I can't because there's no team that's been uh, comparable to the Patriots in terms of dominance. But either way, if you're a Broncos fan that probably dislike the Patriots like every AFC team, like every team in the league does, I'm not overly thrilled with Von Miller hanging out with these guys. I don't care if it's a Saturday or a freaking Wednesday hump day in the middle of the week. Von, why don't you hang out with your own teammates? What do you need to be schmoozing with Brady for? He's got enough friends. Go play with your chickens, Vaughn. 
Yeah, Vaughn's an interesting cat. He really is. What was he wearing? You know, he's got an excellent sense of fashion. Yeah, well, he's a cowboy hat guy. The the, the derby hats are usually bigger. You know, they're they're that big, sort of floppy, spring looking. Ooh, hat. I love a floppy spring look. Yeah, he's probably going with the cowboy hat look, though. That's my guess. Maybe a cut off little vest, open, showing the neeps. Yeah, no shirt for sure. Mm. Uh, all right, I got another one for you if you're ready. Give it to me. A little more New England action, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, you have loved the Patriots for life. A Florida judge ruled today, and uh, journalistically, I know you and I are both a little bit bummed about this. The video of Patriots owner Robert Kraft from inside a spa, a.k.a. the Wild Orchid, Corning. cannot be used because it was obtained illegally. Oh, come on. A win for Kraft. Man, yeah. so we're not going to get to see the video? Nope. No, and I know, obviously, both of us didn't necessarily want to see it, but for journalistic reasons, the professionals that we are, we felt like it was our duty to see it. Oh, no, it was important to watch it and report on it. I yeah, think just, I mean, fairness, for the fans. I mean, you know, we're, we're here no, for the people, and that's what, that's what we're here to do. Definitely no personal curiosity whatsoever. No, just, there was not a pleasure just vibe to be able coming to, from either one of us. No, not at all. Just to hard facts. Yeah, super hard, from what I hear. Shriveled. Uh, so yeah, uh, lucky lucky for Kraft. Now, assuming this case hits a legal dead end, he, I mean, what he's going to be safe, but the, he could still face discipline from the NFL under the personal conduct. It's amazing policy. what money can buy, Robert. Yeah, well, it can buy a seventy-five dollar handy at the uh, Wild Orchid. I wouldn't so. have it any other way. No, I wouldn't either. So, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we will not be able to report on that and give you the the play-by-play. Obviously, if there ends up being a leak, Walchuk and I will be first on it. Our investigative journalism skills are through the roof. We'll plug that leak. Yeah, so we'll we'll get there and uh, we'll get it to you. But we're gonna have to do some some serious digging. All right, do you have anything? Hole. You have anything else? What? Uh, yeah, say? I think I got. Let's see, what do I got? I think I got one more for you. I just wanted to let everybody know that there was a Kansas City Chief that got married. I think over the weekend. Really? And Who at was the it? Was wedding, it Patrick? Uh, no, it was not. It was so, not Pat Mahomes. Ooh, let me guess. Let me guess. Was it? Uh, no, I don't think you're gonna know. I won't know who this, this is. His name's Garrick Dieter. Dude, so. who the heck wouldn't know who Garrick Dieter is? Yeah, go ahead. Talk to me about Garrett like, great Dieter. lineman. Great lineman. All right, nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think he's a long snapper. Either way, the point I'm making is at the wedding. There's a great little video clip. Of, not a lineman. While they're having their first dance. You have Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey well, sipping on what looks to be a, juice? a Bud Light, oh, okay. each one of them in the left hand, swaying back and forth. Was it a Bud Light lime? Absolutely loving life. It doesn't look to be a lime. I haven't confirmed it with are two. You, are you into Bud Light or is that against man code? Does it have to be just pure Bud Light or can you go Bud Light lime? Oh, are you kidding me? I have no reservations about anything I'm drinking. I prefer the umbrella. I prefer the flavors. I've actually, I don't know what you did on Cinco de Mayo, but I was swimming in a pool of White Claw. Uh, if you don't know what White Claw is, it is like a sparkling water drink, but there's alcohol in it and there's different flavors and you can chug it like it's actually water and you can get blackout in about five minutes. I learned that on Cinco de Mayo. I'm actually still recovering from that. It was one of the best days of my life. I was working. So to answer your question, lime all day long. But Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey looking like besties, swaying back and forth, dancing, sipping on some Bud Light, enjoying the offseason as an MVP might and the top tight end in the league might. Uh, so just supporting their friend at the wedding, and that's a little housekeeping, NFL style. I got one thing just to wrap it up, and this is actually a little bit of a serious note. What do you mean? Yeah, it's serious. That's what I mean. Wait, you haven't been serious this whole time? No, not at all. 
Well, that's disappointing. I thought your NFL knowledge was uh, was for real. Don't ever, I guess that's don't the ever kind of guy that. you are. Don't ever doubt that. This all right, is... so what should I do here? Should I change the vibe? Yeah, I mean... that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm all suggesting. Right, well, one second. Let me see what uh, let me see what Celine's up to here. We lost a great one in the NFL family. Former Chiefs coach uh, Gunther Cunningham oh. passing away at the age oh, thank of God. 72. I thought you were going to say Gil. Jesus, you freaked me out. No, not Gil. Gil Brand is God, still alive and well. That set up uh, everything to do with Gil. Now, f*** off, Gil Brand. And wow. Gunther Cunningham began Oof. his coaching career in 1969. 69. As nice. an Oregon assistant, his first break into the NFL came in 1982 with the then Baltimore Colts as an assistant. He spent time with the San Diego Chargers in L.A. Lucky bastard. Uh, with the Raiders before moving to Kansas City as the defensive coordinator from 95 to 98. In 99, he took over from Marty Schottenheimer as the Chiefs head coach. Well, Marty Ball. For two years. Go win a bunch of regular season games. Compiling a 500 record going 16 and 16. For more than 30 years, Cunningham was a staple personality among the NFL coaching world. His ambulance for the sport. Well, he missed. Do you even know what that word With means? With his passing. No, I don't know. Did you know. write that yourself? No, I am actually reading that. Damn right you are. Uh, I don't know what that means. Is that Pete King? No. Monday morning quarterback? No, it wasn't. All right. No, it wasn't. Do you want to give any credit? or? Uh, this is from NFL.com. They wrote a nice little passage for him. Gotcha. NFL.com. He is a great writer. Yeah. I'm not going to throw that person under the bus. All right, so is that is that your eulogy? Are we done? Yeah. That's yeah. all you got for Gunther? Uh, shout Jesus, out. I thought you had like a whole thing. Shout out to Gunther. Um, he most recently was a senior coaching assistant with the Detroit Lions from 2014 to 2017. And Why do they have to call him senior? Also, their defensive coordinator from 09 to 13. It's just kind of what they do. Man. Is that a respectful thing? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Monty Kiffin was also like a senior consultant. Has, has Rod Marinelli for the, the Cowboys. Cowboys gotten the senior no. Staple? Not yet. But Not it's, yet? It's probably coming. It's on its way? Yeah. It's got to be. All right, Gunther Cunningham, we love you, pal. Rest in paradise. Well, now that you've totally killed the vibe of the show. Yeah, I really just hate the way you belittle people. I'm not really you just, sure. Like, don't, you don't show any kind of gratitude. I'm trying to have a serious moment. You've just got to be. Wait, what are you talking about? You've just got to be cracking jokes left and right. I think it's completely disrespectful. I didn't, what joke? I think it's just got disgusting. Cracked. I think it's disgusting. You absolute, complete, and utter jackass. Listen, we're you trying did... to have a moment for a longtime coach here in the National Football League that passed away. Yeah, and you think read, of his, think uh, of his you, family. You read a fake ass eulogy. It wasn't fake. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. You said a word that you don't even know. It was one word. Ambulance. The importance of that was just to talk about how long this man had been involved with the game that we know and love. We wanted to give him a moment of appreciation. And that's exactly what we did. And you've we got to just lean in for a live golf all over it. I mean, Jesus. Just dude, make what else a was freaking bit about it like you always have to do. I made the I made the arrangement. God, you made the arrangement. I got Celine in here. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, you played a song clip. Congratulations. Oh, you, oh, you know Gunther loves Celine. Jeez. You jerk. He would. He would have loved. This was his last. Oh, thing like you he know wanted. what Gunther loved. You didn't even know who he was. What? What's his name again? Gunther Cunningham. That's exactly what I said. You said he loves Celine. He probably did. He appreciated that. And now you look what you're doing. You're stepping all over it. You're making a thing. You're making a scene. I'm making a scene.
Whatever, dude. Making us look like bleep holes, man. I think you've already accomplished that. All right, where do we even go from here? I mean, all you've done is completely poop on the show. I've pooped on the show. You've literally pulled your pants down in the middle of the damn... One moment of credibility, and you've got to legitimately make it a mockery. I'm embarrassed. I'm I'm embarrassed to be be in the same room with you right now. You should be ashamed of yourself. I am. Good. I'm just... I want to crawl in a hole and cry. Well, is it okay to continue, or is that... Yeah. Were you, is that how you wanted to end no, the show? No, no, no. Let's continue, please. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to set it up because Lord knows you're just going to crap some more on the show if Well, you it's do. about time you did something because I've been carrying you on my shoulders for the last three years. It's time for a little Cowboys conversation. Excellent! You said it wrong. All right. Well, why don't you do it then? Cowboys Conversation. Excellent. You really nailed that one, bro. Nice job. That was probably your best one ever. Thank you. I got into that. Uh, All right. So here's the deal. No, I really do need you to kind of lead us through what you want to talk about here because I haven't read this article on purpose just because I wanted to be surprised. Okay, great. So you came unprepared. Awesome. No, I'm glad you're you're forthright, you're honest, you're self-aware. You told me to stay away and not read this article. Well, the only reason why I said that is because I knew you don't pay the subscription to The Athletic. Because and you refuse to give me your login information. Isn't that, that what friends are for? That's where this article comes from about your Dallas football Cowboys. It is from the great Bob Sturm. Port Sturm. Yeah, and the title of this article is here's what really held the 2018 Cowboys back and what Kellen Moore's 2019 offense must solve, damn it. All right, so we've got questions and answers, baby. Let's do it Q&A style. All right, so as we know, the Cowboys made the midseason trade for Amari Cooper, and a lot of good things happened after that. Great things happened after that. Fantastic things. Phenomenal. You are a much happier person. I can I can personally account for I that. I could actually wake up on Monday mornings feeling like a human being. So I'm going to give you some Cowboys NFL rankings from before they got Cooper and after they got Cooper. I'm sure they're drastic. You're going to see a lot are of nice specifically changes. Specifically, Dak Prescotts or just the offense? This is in the general? offense. Okay, got this it. is the offense. And there's going to be one in particular that's going to stick out to you that might you be. Like, and so when you do that, just let me know. The first one is giveaways per game. The Cowboys were ranked 10th in the league before they had Cooper, and they were ranked 5th in the league once they got Cooper. Okay. So they improved a lot just on turnovers. Uh, before they had Cooper, their average points per game were 26th in the league, which is putrid, and they jumped up to 19th in the league once they added Cooper for the second half of the season. Okay. Points per drive, they were ranked 22nd before Cooper, 13th uh, once they got Cooper. Wow. Third down percentage. Look at this one, man. You're going to love this. They were ranked 29th in the league before they got Cooper on third downs. That is piss bleeping poor. Then they were first in the NFL. Wow. With Cooper. Not surprising because during the season on our podcast, that was the first thing of relevance that I know I really noted. I think you did too. You could see it immediately in his first game, well, second game back against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. His, to me, welcome to the Dallas Cowboys moment was on a third down 
basically throwing off an Eagles wimpy tackler and breaking free for a five-yard yak uh, to get a first down on a third down and play to move the chain. Jamari was huge at that. So their pass yards per game went from 29th to 11th once they added Cooper. Their total yards per game went from 28th to 12th. Woo! Their explosive plays went from 29th to 25th, so not a huge jump. Their sacks per game stayed the same, 27-27. Now check out this one. Red zone touchdown percentage. Oh, is this the one that's going to make me go? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. They were ranked 16th in the NFL, right there in the middle, right there, dead smack, 16 out of 32 in the red zone. Then they added Cooper, and all of a sudden, they're 30th in the league in red zone percentage. Ooh. Their red zone trips per game went up a little bit more. They went from 22, or they went from 27th in the league in red zone trips per game. They were under three a game before Cooper. Once they got Cooper, they were almost four per game, and that ranked them seventh in the league. So they got to the red zone more once they had Cooper, but their red zone efficiency once they got there with Cooper on the team went from about average to really, really shitty. Uh, and those are mm. those are just the numbers right there. So basically, red zone efficiency continued to be a problem. So not only did it continue to be a problem, it became more of a problem once they added Cooper. The which which is crazy because you've got a quarterback who is mobile and can run in the red zone, plus Ezekiel Elliott, who's one of the best running backs in football, if not the best, an offensive line that's considered to be one of the best in the game. And then you add Amari Cooper, who really every statistical category aside from that boosted your offense. Absolutely. So it is very bewildering. Yeah, I mean, literally almost nobody was more inefficient at scoring touchdowns in the red zone than the Dallas Cowboys in the year 2018. Uh, So that is problematic. Only the Jets, Jaguars, and 49ers. You guys are living in a Blake Bortles and fat-faced Darnold and red-faced Kyle Shanahan world. Not a lumping of teams that I want to be a part of. Not some guys you want to be a part of. Well, maybe the 49ers eventually, but not last year. Now, let me tell you this. This is a a little little branch off of your red zone woes. Yeah. Here's another one you're not going to like. Okay, it's another bad branch. No team was more inefficient at scoring touchdowns after a first and goal than the Dallas Cowboys. So once you guys got the ball inside the 10-yard line, it's first and goal, baby. Let's go score. We got Zeke Elliott. We got supposedly the best offensive line in the league. We got our quarterback who's mobile as bleep and can go run for a touchdown anytime he wants. And, oh, by the way, we got Amari Bleep and Cooper, ladies and gentlemen. You guys are last in the league in those scenarios. That makes no sense. That's sad. It's bewildering. And I'm, I'm frustrated for you. Got two words for you, sir. Give it to me. Scott Linehan. Gotcha. Okay, so that's what you base it all on. I think that there is a little bit of offensive execution mixed in there, but the play calling was atrocious, specifically in the red zone. All right, so let me give you this. The Cowboys scored touchdowns on those first and goal situations 52% of the time. The Saints, who were number one in the league at scoring on first and goal situations, were 85% touchdown rate. So Mm. that's just the difference between the best and the worst right there. Uh I mean, even Minnesota, 19th in the league, and their rate was 75% in those situations. So the the drop-off is dramatic. The 19th team in the league was still scoring at a 75% pop. You guys are 52%. The league average in first and goal situations, 76%. 
you guys at 52 are well under that. So, I mean, the amount of points you guys left on the board right there. Yeah, it's crazy to think that they were able to win 10 football games and win a division title in the regular season. Well, credit that. I mean, because the room for error. Yeah, no doubt. The room for error in the NFL is so minuscule. If you're settling for field goals, the amount of times the Cowboys should have been getting touchdowns, they should have lost a lot of games. So, uh, Sturm then goes into a couple of reasons as to why. So, you, you give the Scott Linehan reason. Basically, play calling sucked. It's not the players' fault. It's more coaching than players, correct? That's sort of where your head went uh, I initially. Think, I think more so than players, yes. All right, so his first thing is, number one, Dak Prescott is not quite the same passer inside the red zone as he is outside of it, Okay, which which can make sense. The field shrinks. He's no not doubt. really He's not an accurate passer in the first place. Yeah. Once you get into the red zone, your windows get tighter. He's not a very aggressive quarterback. He's not one to try to fit the ball into tight windows. He's more, I want to see it open. I'll get it to you when you Yeah, are. he's not a guy that really leads receivers open, which would be the next step in his progression as a passer. And in the red zone, that's the, those are the kinds of throws you got to make. you got to thread the bleeping needle. Prescott's not really one to do that. So Sturm, he notes that, you know, Man, in That's the red an area zone, Dak needs to improve. Yeah, Dak is generally relatively not great accuracy wise, and then that just gets highlighted even more. It gets amplified. Well, yeah, when the in field's the red tighter, more no question. So he gives you his pass Makes rating. Makes sense. He gives you his pass rating outside the red zone and inside the red zone. Which uh, in 2018, outside the red zone, his pass rating was 95, almost 96. Inside the red zone, it was under 85. It was Oof. 84 and a half. Uh, the NFL average last year was in the red zone 95 and a half out. So he was over 10 points off, 10 points below the NFL average for pass rating inside the red zone. That's Dak Prescott right there for you. Potentially your $30 million per year quarterback. Um, now, listen, that's just, I'm just giving you the numbers here. That is what it is. Now, um, coming to the next reason why he says. They struggled, he says, in 2018, the offense had none of the same red zone threats that they featured in 2016-2017. Right, no Des Bryant, no Jason Witten. That's Jason Witten, amen. And now listen to this number right here. You're going to love this. Okay, so between 2016 and 2017, Des Bryant and Jason Witten combined for 54 touchdowns in the red zone. Mm -hmm. And that was more than... Any uh, than all of the other Cowboys skill players combined. Yes. So those two guys losing them was was pretty huge. It was mega, and it was the conversation of the entire offseason last year. How are you going to replace that red zone production? And then the third reason is the quality of the Cowboys offensive line took a massive step backward in 2018. So the losses eventually of Ronald Leary and Doug Free caught up with them. Correct. Uh, and, and no Travis Redrick. Yes, and the rushing average inside the five-yard line for for Zeke and for Dak, if you look at it like in 2016, uh, inside the five-yard line, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was higher than the NFL average uh, for yards per carry, and so was Dak. Um, but in 2018, Zeke was well below the NFL average, and so was Dak in terms of yards per carry inside the five-yard line. So what is supposed to be a huge strength has become, in moments, uh, a, I mean, really a weakness. Uh, which, in, in terms of in terms of the offensive line, and it's crazy to think that with the the narrative of y'all's offensive line being so good, and then obviously having 
what is seen to be as a top two or three running back in the NFL, if not the best in Zeke Elliott. And then you also have the mobile quarterback in Dak, and you guys still can't well, figure out. Well, that was always the frustration. I just felt like they never utilized Dak's skill set in the red zone. And that is number four. He says, by all accounts, Scott Linehan was unable to help this group with the schematic advantages in the red zone. He said they didn't run Dak enough. Dak is one of the is literally the best red zone rushing quarterback when it comes to attempts, yards, and touchdowns. Uh, the dude is an absolute monster, and he basically they took that away from him. And, and that's a huge, huge asset when you have a guy like Dak. Absolutely. He's the man in those situations, and they did not run him enough. And then the other thing is they didn't run enough of the like the mesh routes, the rub routes. You and I both know we love a good rub route. In the red zone especially, making those pick plays. I love that tight end cross. Yeah, and, and they did not do that nearly enough according to they also didn't have a very good uh, Witten should help with that I'm sure Gallup in his second year will help with that a whole offseason with Amari Cooper but hopefully Kellen Moore will be the guy to solve a lot of those problems so he says in order to uh, remedy this whole situation the Cowboys absolutely must utilize Dak Prescott on his feet more in conjunction with Zeke they got to do it he's too gifted to ignore and if Carolina makes Cam Newton the leading rushing threat deep in enemy territory the Cowboys should as well 100% agree let's get some option going uh and then he talks about the mesh routes the rub routes the crossing routes too much of the Cowboys passing game has been used in isolation and it's too easy to defend this should change immediately especially with Randall Cobb and Tony Pollard now in the mix um and then he says the offense must work quickly to you know stay on schedule whatever whatever so that yeah, there, there would be a lot of taken. times, no doubt, that it would be a holding penalty, a false start, a sack from Dak. All of a sudden, you're first and goal at the three, and then you're second and goal from the 12. Uh, and that really sets you behind the chains. Yes, and then he just says, you know, in general, the offensive line needs to get better, and schematically you can help them by instead of bringing in another tight end or, you know, two, three tight ends stack in the box and telegraphing your runs, spread things out, go more 11, even 10 personnel, spread things out. Uh, and that'll make things a little bit easier because teams can't stack the box and your O-line just gets, you know, just outmatched in those situations. So those are the, some of the things that Sturm suggests, and I, I think those are all great suggestions in general. I just thought it was great to highlight that we talk about the Cowboys. In general, we know they didn't score enough. I mean, they were their 22nd-ranked scoring offense in the NFL. That is not good enough. Scoring like 20 to 22 points a game in 2019 is not a recipe for success. If your defense didn't wasn't so dominant last year, there's no way you guys win, you know, anywhere near the amount of games you guys won. But to, to narrow it down even more so to the red zone and seeing, wow, not only was there schematic disadvantages, but your quarterback's not necessarily as good in the red zone. Your offensive line's not as good in the red zone. I mean, those are big things. Basically to, everything declined. To address, identify. Yeah, and it's crazy because Amari Cooper boosts every offensive category for you guys pretty much except for even the red zone trips, you guys were getting to the red zone even more, but you guys couldn't couldn't capitalize. You're leaving so many points on the board, and it's amazing you guys won the amount of games you did, and it is hats off to the defense for that. But that means, you know, big responsibility, big obstacles ahead for one Kellen Moore and a job that he's going to have to come in there, and, and he's going to have to fix a couple of things. But well, we've got some audio on Kellen Moore talking about what he wants to do to fix that offense here in 2019. Probably, you know, multiple. I, I think uh, I think the beauty of what our 
you know, roster currently is we got a lot of versatility. We've got guys who can kind of line up in a lot of different places. You know, all of our running backs from Mays being the fullback, what he did in Oakland where he kind of moved around a lot, our running backs. Zeke's got tremendous hands, you know, and he can do a lot of things. And we drafted Tony for a reason. And, you know, Mike, Mike can catch it as well, and he can line up in spots. And all of our, all of our receivers are versatile guys. Uh, you go back to when Randall was in Green Bay, he, he lined up in a lot of spots. And so, you know, we, we like the versatility of our group that hopefully we can be multiple and present things in different ways and at the end of the day uh, you know still have our foundation our philosophy and you know you can, you can run similar plays just allow, have a lot of different looks let's go baby music to my ears Kellen make it all happen multiple Motion, versatility multiple, versatile they can do it all I'm a chameleon baby Move I want it I want it I want all the motions I want all the window dressing I want it everything give it to me yeah the word that he kept using over and over again throughout his little media scrum was was multiple he wants to be multiple he feels like they got they they know Zeke can be that they think Randall Cobb can they know Amari Cooper can uh and they drafted Tony Pollard specifically for that reason and we know that during the draft process and particularly on draft day when they drafted Tony Pollard a lot of that had to do with Kellen Moore being a massive massive advocate for hey we need this guy obviously you'd like to think Kellen has a a very poignant and direct plan for him and how to use him when to use him where to use him Uh, and hopefully it's all over the place and hopefully it's with Zeke uh, I, I don't think he's coming in to be the backup to Zeke. I think he's going to be the kind of guy that plays on the field with Zeke in the backfield, out in the slot, moving around in motion. Just Swiss Army knife kind of guy. Absolutely. A speedster that is always a threat to take it to the house. And if he can show any signs of that early on in the season, that will just do tremendous things of just generally opening up and making things easier for the offense because the defense, the defense knows, man, if there's a guy on that offense that can just totally outrun all of us, we have to we have to key on him and we have to respect that speed and that then opens things up for everybody else in a beautiful way. Well, and just to take attention off of Ezekiel Elliott, that's the one thing the first eight games of last year until they made that trade for Amari Cooper, there was nobody on that offense that put fear into opposing defensive coordinators and defenses other than 21. You add 19 into the picture, all right, we got to worry about a receiver. But all of a sudden now, if you're using your guys to their skill set, like Randall Cobb, like Tony Pollard, all of a sudden Tavon Austin maybe gets a little wrinkle here and there, and it's, oh, crap, we don't know where the ball's going to go every single play. We can't just focus on stopping Ezekiel Elliott and then double-teaming and taking away Amari Cooper. We've got to worry about Gallup, Pollard, everybody that we just mentioned. Yes, of course, it's making yourselves more multiple which is what Kellen Moore is wanting. And man, Cowboy fans, that is music to our ears, baby. And that's the kind of stuff you need in the red zone as well. I mean, easy touchdowns. Uh, the Rams had so many easy touchdowns. There were so many little dump-offs to Gurley. Well, they did a great job of sp- exactly spreading it open. They're, they're running it out of shotgun a lot of the time. They're putting all three of their badass receivers out there, plus one of their big uh, tight ends. What's, what is it, Everett? Jared yeah, Everett or Higby or something. They've got Tyler Higby as well. Yeah, no doubt. So they've got guys that can spread it out there, and uh, they're they're getting easy touchdowns. Whether it was for Popeye's Chicken, C.J. Anderson, or Todd Gurley, they're making it very simplistic and high percentage plays. Yeah, and that's what that's what you're hoping Kellen Moore brings to this offense. I think I think he is the kind of guy that is young enough to understand where the league is. I mean, you don't have to turn on tape of the Rams or the Saints or the Chiefs for more than four seconds to know, holy crap, 
these guys are playing a completely different sport than us, and we need to get with the times. Otherwise, we're going to keep dropping in the offensive scoring rankings every single year, and we're going to be fighting to get to 20. And we're going to make our defense have to bend over backwards just to be able to keep us in games. I think Kellen Moore's smart enough to understand that. I, I don't know if Garrett is uh, not stubborn enough, you know, to allow more to take the reins on that. Well, it'll either be one of two things. One, he wants plausible deniability. Uh, if things go bad, hey, I let Kellen do this. I'll, I'll let him take the reins. You guys wanted to change. I let Kellen Moore do his thing. It's not my fault. God, I can't wait for that. Or two, he's worried about his job. Things aren't going well, and he decides, all right, I got to come in and micromanage. I'm taking over the reins again of this playbook, and you go back to 2007 Dallas Cowboy offense, it's probably not going to work 12 years later. It's 2007 Cowboys offense, but it's the 1997 playbook. Yeah, that's, right? that's fair. So, so Kellen Moore, a lot of pressure on you, bro. Red zone woes galore. You're coming back with a very relatively similar roster. You're, hey, the you're the good thing is with how bad those numbers were, there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, in terms of the the first and goal scoring, yeah, you guys were dead last. There's literally, you can either stay the worst or maybe you can get a little bit better. Hopefully you can. In terms of the overall red zone scoring, yeah, you got about four or five teams that were below you guys. Otherwise, yeah, there's really nowhere to go but up. And that's a really glass half full positive way, silver lining way to look at it. So oh, you know you, me. Walsh. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, you're Mr. Positivity. Speaking of offenses, let's move away from uh, Cowboys conversation, but keep the offense going. And I've got a list of the top 10 offenses according to one Chris Wessling of NFL.com. Now, this is an article that I know you've seen as well and you thought was rather interesting. Now, it breaks it down into grading the offensive skill position. So you've got... The quarterback grades, backfield grades, the receiving core, and the offensive line. Um, we'll quickly just highlight, you want to start with the top five, or do you want to see from the bottom and work our way up? So it's the top ten? It's the top ten overall. Projected for next year. Projected for next year, yes. Uh, just offenses. Just offenses Who's going to be the best offense? It's not teams, it's just the offense. Oh, this is going to be fun. All right, I want to guess. I want to I want to play. All right, let's go. Um, all right, very good, very good. Number one has to be the Chiefs of Kansas City. Read them and wheat, baby. It, it is not the Chiefs of Kansas City. In fact, the Chiefs are not even in the top three, my friend. So they're fourth? They're not four either. <laughs> Uh, wow. Okay, Curveball. so they're not in the top four. They're top. They're number five. They're not in the top five. What? They're number six. They are number six. God, why did you say they're not even in the top three? Because I didn't want to just give it away to you that easily. Jesus. All right. Well. All right. So I got that one. Wow. I nailed. You that. know number six. Chiefs that is number Kansas six. City. All right. Nice. Um. All right. Cool. I'm gonna try not to use any lifelines. I don't want any help from you. So far, I've been I've been nailing it. Um. Number one. So if the Chiefs aren't number one. Maybe it's uh, the Rams. It is Los Angeles. Not the Rams. All right, very good. I know what I'm talking about here. Uh, are they number two? Rams are number two? The Rams are not number two. What the hell? Yeah. How could Sean McVay, Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Jared Goff not be in the top three? That's unbelievable. This list sucks. Well, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are a little bit understandable given the losses. Uh, Yeah, well, I guess if you're 
I guess Tyree kills more than likely out. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I mean, Kareem Hunt's not a loss. They already showed with Damian Williams he can still be a badass running back. Yeah, now, for whatever reason, Westling is only grading the Chiefs' backfield as a C+. That's one of the lower ratings here in the top Dude, Damian top Williams 10. is a fantasy beast, Westling. He certainly was a fantasy beast. And they don't only have Damian Williams. They also added Carlos Hyde, who's been productive in the league. Eh. Uh, along with Darwin Thompson and James Williams. So who really cares about those other two? But you got the tandem of Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde. Now, I am a Damian Williams fan. You know about him a little bit more than most because you did watch him with the Miami Dolphins for a few years. The question is, can he be an every-down back for a 16-game season? Because he has shown that he's a little bit injury-prone. Yeah, I mean, that's really the only thing if he gets injured. now, if, And if he does, they're in trouble because Carlos Hyde is worthless. And I don't know about those other two guys, so we'll have to see about them. But their offense, the way the way their offense works, it, it makes it pretty easy for the running back. You know, you're gonna you're gonna catch the ball in space. Just go, just go get some yards after the catch here. No one's paying attention to you. We're all trying to stop Kelsey and Mahomes in general. So uh, the running back is not somebody you're really keying on. But Damian Williams is an underrated back. Really good out of the backfield. He's quick, and he can run between the tackles. I mean, he can really do everything you want. It's just a matter of, like you said, can he stay healthy? But he did a great job for them last year. I'm not worried about him, but he's got him listed at sixth. I mean, I don't know. I think that's a, I think that's a little low. Well, the thing is, you've got obviously an A plus rating at quarterback with Pat Mahomes. Uh, it drops to a B for the receiving core and a B for the offensive line. The line is what it is, but the receiving core without Tyreek Hill certainly doesn't look that great. Does you, coaching is coach is he not considering coaching? Is he's coaching not considering, just doesn't matter. He's not considering coaching. All right, thanks, Wesley. Then now, that means the Cowboys might be number one. Are the Cowboys off? The Cowboys one? aren't in the top ten. All Cowboys right, aren't God. in this list. All right, maybe he knows what he's talking about then. Yeah, the Cowboys are on the list, but All right, so it, where are the Rams? The Rams are five. I knew it. So five. the Rams are the Rams are in the top five. All right, good. He's grading Goff out as a B. Yep, uh, a B plus for the backfield with Gurley and Malcolm Brown. Ooh, those knees. And then the receiving core. This is where I think that he's got it wrong. The receiving core is only a B plus. What do you think it should be an A? I think it should be an A. Is there a better top three than Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and Cooper Cup in the league? Uh, you know I love me some Bob Woods. Uh, and I know Cooper Woods. Cup's coming back from injury, but still. When those three are on the field, and Josh Reynolds proved to be a capable third option if need be, so your top four of Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds, and in terms of depth, I mean, I understand you got Jarvis Landry and, and Odell Beckham Jr. together there in Cleveland. Uh, I guess the third is that Florida receiver, Callaway. Yeah, they had Callaway, and they also had Higgins. Higgins is a player, yeah, too. But I still don't think that three is better than what the Rams three have. Well, Odell Beckham Jr. is the best of all of them, and then Jarvis Landry is a great compliment to him. I don't know. You're splitting hairs. Uh, where are the uh, the Browns? Browns got to be top five, huh? On paper? Uh, the Browns on here? Yeah, Browns got to be on they're here. Not, they're not in the top five. Okay, the top ten? They're in the top ten. In top eight. Ooh, what do you think? Yeah, they're definitely top eight. They're seven. They're seven. All right, very good. So we got five, six, seven. I've nailed them on my and, first and try each time. Look, their receiving core got an A-. minus. All right, listen, I'm on a roll here. The Saints are somewhere involved. I'll say the Saints are top five. The Saints are number a... one. Okay, they're okay. Nice. So the Saints are number one. That's what I thought. He's got the backfield in A minus with yep. Alvin Kamara. Uh, they have Latavius Murray, who essentially fills in for Mark Ingram. A B plus in the receiving core with Michael Thomas leading the way. After that, it's really just a bunch of guys. Dude, yeah. I gotta tell you, number one, Wesleyan. I think uh, swing and a miss there, pal. Number one for a Drew Brees led team who Drew Brees started really falling off. Towards the end of last year, he was great early on. He's getting old. That arm was not the same, and they got lucky against the Eagles in that playoff game, anyways. And then obviously they got robbed against the Rams. But 
That's neither here nor there. He was not the same quarterback in the second half of the season. That offense was not the same. They were putting up freaking crazy Madden numbers early on in the season, and then towards the end of the season, it was they were struggling to get to freaking 20. So I don't know what Westling's talking about unless we're only talking about the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, then maybe I, we're talking about know. the Saints having the number one offense. I don't know either. And in their receiving core outside of Michael Thomas, there's a big dip. It's tra- I mean, literally, let me, let's play a game called, Eric, can you guess another receiver for the Saints other than Michael Thomas? Um, I said Jesus. one. Uh, Marquise Colston. No. Uh, Lance Moore. No, not anymore. Uh, Joe Horn. Ooh, that was a long time ago, but that cell phone was great. Uh, Dante Stallworth. Ooh, no, no, no. Gotcha. He might right. be in prison. Uh, okay, very good. Not gonna go there. No, okay, then that's it. Wow. No, Traquan oh, Smith. Traquan Smith for you. Ah, damn it. Uh, Tip what, my about, what about Keith Kirkwood? Good Kirkwood. Yes. Cameron, I, was, I had that one. Cameron Meredith, the former Meredith, bear. The former bear. And then Austin, Austin Kirkwood. Car. Yeah, Cure Austin R. Carr. I think it's pronounced Cure R. Yeah, and they, they added Jared Cook uh, at tight end. So he's got them at number one. Number two is the Indianapolis Colts. Indy! Oh, Andrew Luck. I do. They did finally get Andrew Luck some good pieces. And they, who is that? Who are those receivers? Okay, so you want to... Let's go. Let's talk about it. We know T.Y. Sure. They added Devin Funches, who I like as a number two to T.Y. I think that's a good compliment. You I think the big body of Funches. Yeah. And the speedster that is T.Y. Hilton. They've got Eric Ebron, who dominated at tight end last year, along with Jack Doyle. And, you know, let's not forget, Funches hasn't played with an accurate quarterback his entire career. Now he gets to go play with Andrew Luck. That is a step up, my friend. Big time. And then, of course, they drafted Paris Campbell from Ohio State, the oh, Speed Demon slot right. receiver. That's right. So I think that top three looks pretty darn good. That is nice. Who's their backs? They got uh, Marlon Mack, Nikki Hines, Jordan Wilkins, and Spencer Ware. Yeah, so they got plenty. So they got a stable of guys. They yeah. can all step in there. Nobody's really outstanding, but they can get the job done. Mac I mean, was pretty solid last year. Yeah, he did. He had a, Naheem Hines wasn't bad either, especially as a change of pace guy, catching it out of the backfield. And Spencer Ware's had some solid years with Kansas City. Hell, he was their starter yeah. uh, for a while until yeah. he got hurt, and Damian Williams came in to take the job. All right, I, I like that. I like Indy a lot more than I like the Saints. So, so far, Westland is sitting at a so-so for me. And then three is the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sorry, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, nice. Um... You know he's got their receiving core as an A minus. He's really liking what they've done there. Obviously, Zach Ertz is a stud. Yeah, badass. Um, Alshon Jeffrey. Now, Alshon Jeffrey was not as good with Carson Wentz as he was with Nick Foles. Yeah, and he keeps getting older. And they brought back Deshaun Jackson. That's right. I forgot they got. I DJX. do think Deshaun Jackson can make some sweet music with Carson Wentz. He likes throwing the deep ball, and that's DJX's strength. Yeah, I mean, you need that speed factor. They lacked that last year, so just having that way. I mean, we talked about earlier with the Cowboys with Pollard. Just having a guy on your offense with that sort of speed that the defense has to constantly respect opens things up tremendously. They still have Aguilar there in the slot. I think they still have Jordan Matthews. So, yeah, they got a couple of guys. I don't know if they still have Jordan Matthews. He's not listed here. You're right about Aguilar. I I don't think they have Matthews. I think they signed him to a one-year deal, and he's a free agent still. Well, the other thing they do. And they drafted uh, that Stanford receiver, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and they've got Dallas Goder. That's what I was going to say, is they have the double tight end situation where Ertz is one of the best in the league, and then Goder showed some promise as a rookie. Two guys that can not only block, but they can also really stretch the field, catch the ball well, come over the middle, the seam. They threaten defenses in a multitude of ways. We talked about it a few weeks ago on the podcast. Warren Sharp, at Sharp Football, uh, on Twitter, former engineer, brilliant human being, decided, bleep this, I want to go do this stuff. I want to be a numbers guy, analytical guy for football. 
teams are actually using him as an advisor. He is sort of like a third-party advisor for like multiple NFL teams. He's a brilliant mind. He talks about how the NFL is going towards you got to have not just one, but you got to have two tight ends that can do it all and have them on the field at the same time. There's nothing more of a mismatch than a tight end who you're not sure if he's going to block, not sure if he's going to run down the seam or just go four yards and catch the ball. Either way, they have two guys at the tight end position that are studs. They are progressive. Harry Roseman's a stud. They went and go get Andre Dillard to shore up that offensive line. They still have Jason Peters. They still have Kelsey on the, at the center position. Lane Johnson. I mean, really, I think the main thing for them, and, and I, I like Doug, I like Doug Peterson as a head coach. Offensively, he's smart. No, their offense is looking good. And, I mean, and the the only question mark for me is that Wentz, Jeffrey, and, and then Wentz is health. Wentz is health. Yeah, and I think that's really the biggest question mark because. I like Doug Peterson, and especially I mean, that was one of the best coaching jobs of the year last year, taking a team who had just won the Super Bowl. You have a Super Bowl hangover, and they partied hard all freaking offseason. They were celebrating that thing so hard. So, First and last time they'll ever win one. And they were injury-laden last year. Yeah, they year, did. They've, across the board. Well, and they had a ton of big injuries the year. They won the Super Bowl and overcame You're right, it. offensively and defensively, and the only way you can overcome injuries besides just having phenomenal depth, which credit to Howie Roseman, he's put together – quite the, the roster for them to allow for it but you also have, just have to have fantastic coaching to be able to overcome that kind of stuff they did it i think the eagles are a, a force to be reckoned with as long as as long as Wentz can stay healthy four might be a surprise it's not a team that you've even listed yet okay all and right it's I another like nfc team so i'll nfc i'll help you out there it is an nfc team. uh good nfc offense think of an offense that has been pretty darn good the last decade they were really good three years ago um, let's go NFC. I would say uh, the Packers. No, not the Packers. The, the, uh, the Falcons. The Falcons. Yes. Nice. The Falcons are four. Matty Ice. Matt Ryan got an A minus grade. They lose Tevin Coleman, but they've got Devontae Freeman still and Ito Smith. Their receiving core stacked with Julio, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Jones or Muhammad Sanu. Excuse me. Uh, at tight end, they've still got Austin Hooper, who's he's solid. He's all right. The offensive line, I think, was the question mark there, but they drafted Caleb McGarry uh, to be kind of a plug-and-play dude. They've got Jake Matthews as well. Didn't they draft Lindstrom as well? Yeah, Chris Lindstrom. They just bolstered that O-line like crazy. They've got two new guys in their uh, center and guard combo to come on in and start for them, similar to what the Vikings did, trying to address that offensive line. So they moved that up to a B-minus. So them at four, I don't think I'd put the Falcons ahead of the Rams, though, which he has, or the Chiefs, which he has. The Browns are at seven. The teams that come in 8 through 10, you already mentioned the Packers. They're at 10 with Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams. That team at running back gets a B-. Uh, the receiving core gets a B, which I think is pretty darn kind. Who the hell other than because Devontae other than Adams? Devontae Adams Vontez Scantling? I mean, yeah, they're worse than the Saints. They've got Geronimo Christ. Allison. Geronimo. Marquez Valdez Scantling. They still have Jimmy Bleep and Graham, and they did draft Jay Sternberger. The other one is... Uh, oh, I forgot they got that Sternberger. Equinemius St. Brown. <laughs> and Wait, so they have a St. Brown, they have a Vontez Scantling, and they have a Geronimo. Yes. All right, nice. And their offensive line, you got a B-plus score, which also, I mean, aside... David Bakhtiari is pretty darn good. Brian Bulaga is solid. Um, otherwise, man, I don't know. They've got you a bunch see Aaron of aging Rogers, guys. Wasn't he in Game of Thrones? Didn't he get blown up? Game of Thrones. Of that. I didn't even notice him if it weren't for social media that said that he was in the episode. Yeah, well, same. And then 8-9-8 eight, eight is the LA Chargers, who do have an outstanding oh, offense. Phil. The only question mark for them is that line. The line gets a C. It's not very good. The rest of them are stacked. I mean, obviously, Phillip Rivers gets a B+. I'd give him an A-minus personally. 
Their backfield gets an A minus with Gordon Eckler and Justin Jackson even stepped up and had some good games due to injury at the end of last year. Jay Jax. And then the receiving core gets a B plus with Keenan Allen. A lot of people think Mike Williams could be a breakout star this year. And then Hunter Henry coming back at tight end from injury. He was a touchdown machine two years ago, so he could be that heir apparent to Antonio Gates. Hey, if you ask Stephen A. Smith, he was a touchdown machine last year. Yeah, well, Stephen A. doesn't know what he was talking about. And then number nine, even despite losing their top wide receiver and running back over the last few years, is the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Feelers. The Schittsburg Steelers? Yeah, the B-plus Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, Jalen Samuel get a B at the backfield. They still got Juju? They gave Juju a B along nice. with Dante Moncrief, Deontay Johnson, our boy Vance McDonald, James Washington, and Ryan Switzer. And then a B-plus for the offensive line. An offensive line that actually has gotten a lot better throughout the years uh, with Alejandro Villanueva, David DeCastro, Ramon Foster, Marquise Pouncey. They're a solid line. Yeah, I think they're. Uh, I think they're a little overrated. Would you put the Packers ahead of the Steelers? Um, no, I would have. I would have. The so you Steelers. like that at nine ten there? I Is don't like them at not on this list that you would have put like, on it. I feel like I like both of them out of the top ten. To be honest with who you, who would you have put on? Um. God, now that is that's a, tough a great that's a good question, right? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I mean, otherwise, you, the Patriots. I was going to say the list. Patriots aren't on there, and I think that's always an option, right? Um, so, if other than that, maybe let's see. Could man, if if Garoppolo can get his life together, there's weapons there. There's in, weapons in San Francisco, there. and I like what they've done with the backfield. Shanahan is a stud, and the offensive line though is still a question mark. Like I, I don't know. There's a lot of ifs in projections, and this is a list for projecting next year, but. There's too many question marks for me with the 49ers to necessarily put them ahead of any of these teams, but in my opinion. My biggest bone to pick, I think, is Saints at one uh, with having no weapons and Drew Brees with an, a right arm that's about to fall off. I also think the Rams at five and the Chiefs at six, even without Tyreek Hill, yeah, that's, are, that's are bleep too low. Hole level. They're too low. That is masterful disgrace right there. The one he got right is one that I don't think a lot of people would agree on, but putting the Colts at two. I like what the Colts' offense is looking like for next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Frank Reich, he's a stud coach. I think Andrew Luck, due for another badass season, finally has a couple of weapons around him. Even now, it's still not like, holy crap, but it's way better than he's ever had. So as long as they can protect Andrew Luck, they are going to be awesome. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's probably – I think my biggest issue is the Saints at number one. What about the Houston Texans? That's one of the teams that I think maybe you could make a case for. I like Deshaun Watson so much that I'd be willing to to make a case and throw him in there, but it's just so hard to trust the butt chin of Bill O'Brien. They can and be so explosive, that offensive though. Line. When Will Fuller is healthy for that handful of games. Yeah, he's going to give he, you four big ones. He makes plays. DeAndre Hopkins, the best receiver in football, not named Julio Jones. Um, uh, Julio Hones. Hones? Correct. Yeah. So, and, and Lamar Miller's still a solid running back, and they got uh, Deontay Foreman. Yeah, I just, man, I, I think if I put him in there, it's literally only because I think Deshaun Watson is cream of the crop badass. That's it. I don't think they got much around him. Look, I mean, I'm just trying to Hopkins, give you but, options because you said yeah. that you would take off both the Steelers and Packers. Well, and then now that I'm reevaluating things and thinking about, I mean, I don't know if Russell Wilson does something crazy and freaking DK Metcalf ends up being a badass for Seattle. But, yeah, I mean, now that I really think about it, well, I'll tell you what, if Kellen Moore can do anything great for the Cowboys offense, 
Uh, the only thing the Cowboys offense is missing in terms of personnel to me is just an athletic seam threat, tight end, a Zach Ertz, a Travis Kelsey, one of those kind of guys that is just awesome. Otherwise, I think uh, personnel-wise, Cowboys have it all. Just can they schematically do what you need them to do, and hopefully Kellen Moore, Mr. Multiple, will get that done for them, and maybe they can maybe they can go top 10, but their red zone woes obviously issues. So bottom line is you go with Aaron Rodgers in the top 10, sure. I mean, that's always relatively safe. Um, and then what was the other one? It was Pittsburgh. Yeah, you go with a yeah, team Pittsburgh that nine. is just usually going to be in there. Roethlisberger, even though he's fallen off a decent amount. Yeah, so you had Packers at 10, Steelers at 9, Chargers at 8, Browns at 7, Chiefs at 6, the Rams at 5, Falcons at 4, Eagles at 3, Colts at 2, and the Saints projected to be the number one offense for the upcoming 2019 NFL season, according to Chris Wessling. Of All NFL. right, Chris Wessling, Chris Wessling, we're going to freaking, we're going to hold you to it, pal. Yeah, we'll see how that Saints, goes. Saints, my belief. I'm putting my Cowboys in the top 10, baby. I ain't looking back. I think. Oh, did uh, we mention Josh Rosen and the Dolphins? Cause you know what? I think Rosen and the Dolphins and maybe a Kyler Murray and the Cardinals could wow. sneak in Potential. There. Potential. <laughs> it's a new year. It's a new league, baby. Everybody's got hope. We are the Nosebleed Seats Podcast, the show everyone can afford to listen to. I'm Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Wolchuk. That's at Z-A-C-H-W-O-L-C-H-U-K. You can follow Eric at Chiafalo Sports. That's C-H-I-A-F-O-L-O Sports. You just butchered the hell out of that. Uh, that's wrong. It's C-H-I-O-F-A-L-O. Did I say A? You said C-H-I-A-F-O-L-O. Yeah. All right. Spell it again for them. Uh, No. Just continue. All right. Well, those are our handles. Be sure to join the conversation at PFN365. That's the Pro Football Network on Twitter. Listen to our podcast on Apple iTunes as well as Podbean, Apple, Podbeam, Apple News, wherever you can consume your content. We appreciate it. Rate us, subscribe, get those numbers up, baby. We'll see you next week for some more NFL action. Until then, you're going home with the nosebleed seats, hugs and hand pounds, everybody. And remember, stay composed. You jerk. You absolute, complete and utter jackass.